0: Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship, and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I am here as always with Father Stephen Gauthier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is director of formation at Saint Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. You know, Father Stephen, you know, the classic symbol of our faith as Christians that you will see on tops of churches and inside churches and around people's uh, necks and necklaces is, of course, the cross. Um, it's this the symbol of the cross. So you see it, you know, adorning absolutely everything from sanctuaries to cemeteries. Um, but, you know, uh, it, I think that, you know, I grew up with crosses, you know, inside the church for sure. Um, but they were crosses with nothing on it. It was just a, it was the bare cross. That's the, the cross that kind of is, is kind of in my, my, my heart language of, of my devotion. Um, and I think that would, this, the same would probably go for most, uh, in general, most Protestant, uh, churches, uh, especially in America. Um, but you know, coming into the Anglican church, you know, we're fully reformed and fully Catholic, Um, So that's when I started to see more crucifixes, which were uh, regarded as sort of a Catholic thing where I grew up. And that's, of course, a crucifix is the cross, but with Christ on it, you know, a a, a little statue or an image of Christ suffering on the cross. So uh, let's take an episode today to talk about that crucifix, you know, but not only is it just, it's of course, you know, nothing is just as simple as Christ on the cross, Uh, There's all sorts of variations on these things, both in the East and the West. Um, The the crucifixes in the Eastern Church are really, really different um, from the ones in the Western Church. Um, So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are some common features of crucifixes what do they mean? And maybe go all the way up to today. You know, what are some more recent devotional uses uh, of crucifixes that have, have become recently popular? So first of all, how does the crucifix really differ from the cross?
1: Well, as you explained it well, it's the, uh, the cross simply means the plain word of the cross. It's just the cross beams. Whereas the crucifix has some image of Christ now, sometimes that's a painted image in the Eastern Church, it tends to be crosses are flat; they're like any other icon. Mm-hmm. They might be cut up, but they're flat, and they're painted. Whereas in the Western Church, they tend to be uh, they tend to be three dimensional. You know, you have a, what they call a corpus, literally Latin for body. The the, the the actual image of Christ is actually attached to that cross. And you're right that the images between the Eastern and Western Church differ in a lot of ways. I mean, tremendously so. The first is what do we focus on in Christ? Um, the Western Church, a basic tendency of the Western Church in its art, is to focus on what would we have seen. The West, the Western Church is from Romans. I mean, from the Roman Empire, the Romans. Romans were very practical. They were engineers, not philosophers. Yeah. And just the facts, ma'am, type of approach is very Western. And so, their view is we would try to have an image which would be pretty much what we would see. Now, in the Eastern art, as we talked about in icons, the idea with a spiritual image is you want to emphasize the spiritual lesson, even if it involves changing the scene. The important thing is what's the lesson of what happened. So, you feel free to change the scene if you have to. So, the first thing we have is when it comes to what does Jesus look like on the cross? Is he suffering? Now, especially as we go along in the years, Christ suffers terribly. The later we go into the Middle Ages, the worse it becomes. Uh, the idea of Christ, a man being tortured on the cross, and the idea would be the evidence of his love for us. You know, that the, we talk about the kenosis is pouring himself out, you know, reaching yeah. the bottom of pain and suffering. So the West looked upon this, which is sometimes called dolorism, you know, that just sort of delighting in all this detail, uh, the th- dramatic crowns of thorns, the idea of the pain that Christ felt is an, it's an emblem of his love. In the Eastern cross, you'll never ever see anything resembling that. Is in the Eastern cross, is the meaning of Christ's cross is like it says in John, who's called the theologian in the Eastern church. He says, now is the time for the son of man to be glorified, to be lifted up, to be glorified on the cross. Oh, so the, the lesson of the cross is this is the moments of Christ's victory. This is like a general winning a battle. Hmm. and so this means first of all that the christ on the cross christ never is suffering actually looks like he's (laughs) taking a nap uh you know or or is just having it looks like he's uh, frankly lying on a beach so again the idea is this is a victory this is like the rest after a victory instead of any focus on his sufferings Hmm.
0: well i i I guess i kind of like having the two of them together right i mean it, it kind of shows in a in a sense kind of the 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 literal evidence of his love but at the same time the deeper meaning uh and we uh, as as victory over death and th- both of those things are in scripture both and yeah
1: yeah and so they're both uh, profoundly true but that's uh, the choice of that influence now what can be a little confusing sometimes just to uh, tell our listeners here is the byzantine empire continued to remain very influential in italy uh for for some time after it lost anywhere else in the in the west like in ravenna mm-hmm. and things and so when you see like the san, san damiano cross from saint francis and things it's actually a byzantine cross you know with huh. western influence so you'll sometimes see these in the west but basically the typical western crucifix has jesus who clearly is suffered and has been bloodied, you know, and is hum- humiliated and humbled, as opposed to victorious Christ on the cross in the Eastern Church. In fact, at the top of the cross, we even change what we have written on the inscription. In the West, you always have to do exactly what it tells you in the Gospel. So the Gospels say that Pilate wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Yeah. Now, it's hard to write all of that on a crucifix, so they often abbreviate to I-N-R-I, which is abbreviated right. for Jesus. I and J are the same letter in Latin. In, in original Latin. So I, Jesus, Nazarenus, N R is for Rex, Rex is king. Eudeorum, again Jew becomes of the Jews. It's I, mm-hmm. no J. So I N R I simply means Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Yeah. But in the Eastern Church they say, oh, no no, this is that's not really what's happening. This is the King of Glory. Mm. So in an Eastern cross it will have on it the inscription typically will be King of Glory.
0: Yeah. So again, we're talk. We're focusing in the east on the m- meaning of this. The meaning of this, instead yes. of the you know literal historical details involved. Yeah. Anything else that kind of sets sets those things the 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 west and the eastern versions off from oh, each other? Yeah.
1: Another thing. It's not universal uh, in the west. You can find it both ways, but typically in the east, um, Christ. You know, we, Christ's heart is actually the the, um, the lance of the soldier pierces our Lord's heart. Now, the heart is on your left side, so and soldiers knew that. And so in the West, we say very Roman, very prosaic is saying, well, that means the lance will go through his left side. So typically in a Roman crucifix, you know, it's Christ's left side nearest his heart that has the wound. But however, in the East, the important thing is, remember, there's a prophecy in Ezekiel. Christ says that he's the true temple in in John's gospel. He said, you know, he's talking of the temple of his body. And it says in Ezekiel, there's a prophecy, the water flowing out of the temple from the right side of the temple. And it mm-hmm. becomes a stream and the stream becomes a creek, you know, becomes bigger and bigger, becomes a mighty river and flows in. And so they always saw as the water coming from Christ's side is the life coming from the cross. Mm, yeah. And so that's why in Eastern crucifixes, even though the heart is on the on the left side, we normally have the wound on the right side. Because we're reminded of the prophecy that life, this water, this river of life is coming from the right side of the true temple, which is the body of Jesus. Another thing we have is in the West, I think it's because of the number three in the West, there's a tradition that there are three nails. Well, the trouble is you have two hands and two feet. So it means yeah. basically, and you can't, uh, so you basically have the the feet coming, one nail covering both feet. Yeah. In yeah. the East, you tip, you have the two feet are separate
0: yeah that's funny you know anytime i saw an image of christ on the cross growing up there always had the feet crossed over with the the single nail in between them yeah yeah yeah
1: so that's just something so if you want to amaze your friends look start start with the feet that's one of the last things to change is the feet will be <laughs> one of the the biggest things to tell you is east or west so those are the basic things of the between east and west
0: well, let's talk about, there's some other, uh, I'd say, little details uh, or kind of surrounding features of crucifixes that are, they're found in, in different kinds of crucifixes. Yes. Um, so let's let's talk about those. Some, what are some other things you might catch a glimpse of in a, in a crucifix?
1: Well, some, uh, some we're going to find in West and in the East, but uh, the East really goes into this. If you look in Eastern Church, an icon of the resurrection or icon of the cross often has, not the resurrection, icon of the crucifixion. Or the a crucifix often has a lot of other things on it. Yeah. The thing that most strikes people when you're a little kid, you see it right away, is under the cross. There's like a little cave, and there's a skull and crossbone. Yeah. There, and you will see that all, like in a lot of Spanish crucifixes and things, huh. which is hardly from the Eastern Church. And what this was is that there is a tradition. Um, first of all, we know that the Scriptures tell us that he was that he was crucified at a place that was called the Skull. Hmm. indeed the word uh, uh calvary is comes from the latin translation of that the latin bible says calvaria you know place of the skull yeah so it's uh so that might be a way to indicate that the hill is the place of the skull but there's a very popular story that when they were packing up that uh you know noah took the adam's bones with him and so when the flood was over his descendants buried those bones at the place that later became calvary yeah. And at the, I, this is a folktale. And then so at the, at the time of the crucifixion, we have that great earthquake that they were revealed and that some of the blood from the side of the cross, from Jesus' side on the cross actually went down the cross and went into that where Adam was buried. And so that's how he came into contact with the saving blood. Wow. wow. Folklore yeah. loves stories like that. Right. Matter of fact, if you go to the church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, they will be happy to show you where, the, where that was yeah 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 (laughs) they will show you where the skull of adam was okay so you get the idea so that's why in the east you always have that cross you always have the skull underneath a little cave the skull and crossbones and it symbolizes adam having been by legend buried at the same site and then the the earthquake opens it up and so the blood from the side of christ a symbolic way of talking about the truth adam does get the benefit of christ's death
0: We've also, in a previous episode on religious uh, icons, or Christian symbols and icons, we talked about how the there's actually, at the bottom of some Eastern crosses, there's like a crossbar at the bottom, and it's tilted a little bit. Do you, I assume that applies to crucifixes
1: as well. Indeed. is You have this, a classic sign of a Slavic crucifix. Not a Greek, but a Slavic. Uh, because Andrew, according to... Uh, to tradition when he went to Sarmatia which is today's Ukraine uh the right just north of the Black Sea there um that when he was trying to tell people sort of the story of of, of the things of God talked about the thief on the cross and you know basically one went up you know wait the one who turned to Jesus went to heaven and the other who turned away from him went to hell and that comes the your hands holding out both ways and so the cross symbolizes the one who's going to heaven the one at his right side the good thief it points yeah. up, you know, the one who had been in Christ's right side is going to heaven and the other one's going to hell because, you know, it's how we react to the cross. Right. It's typical of Russian crucifixes particularly, but it's, it's a Slavic thing. You won't find it in an a Greek cross. It's, that tells yeah. you you're talking about Russians or, you know, uh, you know, uh, some some of the Slavic uh, groups. It is also
0: kind of a cool reminder that it's, it is... It's it's the cross on which, you know, how you react to this cross de- determines everything. Everything.
1: Yeah. That's right. It's a very profound truth. Yeah. You know, how we react to the cross. It's not just the cross, it's how we react to it is going to tell how the effect mm-hmm. with us. Yeah. So it's beloved. It's become almost a symbol of, you know, Slavic identity, you know, is that you could tell right, right away, like in graveyards, you'll have that as saying if you know right away that these are graves of, of Slavic people like Serbs or, uh, you know, Serbs or Russians, Ukrainians. Yeah.
0: So um, there are also some images where you've got people at the foot of the cross, you know, spectators. Uh, so let's let, talk about those. What do you? Who do, who do you often well, find
1: Well, we sort of, at a minimum, if we're going to have anybody down there, there'll always be two people at the bottom, if there's anyone in the, the tradition, is it'll be Mary, the mother of Jesus, and uh, because I separate from Mary Clo- Cleopas, so we're told specifically, mother of Cleopas was at the cross. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the beloved disciple, or, or the apostle John. Why? Because they're the ones Jesus speaks to from the cross. You know, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. And so the, uh, you know, traditionally she's an emblem of the church. And so, you know, the disciples, you know, being, uh, you know, having the church for their mother. But if you're going to have anybody at all, at a minimum, you're going to have Mary, the mother of Jesus and, the, and, the, and the, this, the beloved disciple, John. And classically, if you go to England and things, if you see a rude screen, those used to separate the body of the church, you know, the nave from the, the chancel. The rude screen at the top is called a rude screen because in old English, the word for cross was rude. That meant cross r-o-o-d a rude screen r-o-d like the dream of the rude one of the oldest works we have in in english language however when the rude screen always has mary and john on either side of the cross
0: okay yeah so you see
1: just those two but let's suppose you really want more personalities down there if the next if you're going to have another level if you're going to go another one out the next two people there will be of course are going to be mary magdalene because Mary is the one, it's very important. She was a witness who also was the witness, first witness of the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus. She's at, yeah. the, she's at the cross and she sees Jesus. So she's in a very special role. And also we have often she's kneeling or something because of her special case, you know, but that, that'll be Mary Magdalene. Uh, if she and Mary, are, Mary the mother of Jesus are both in the same, We had a lot of Mary's at the foot of the cross because we also had Mary, mother of Cleopas, but uh, she'll be one step back from Mary. The mother of the Lord will be right next to the cross and then she'll be one step back typically. And then we have the Roman soldier. Now that's funny because it's really combining two separate characters is there's a Roman soldier who actually pierces Christ's side. Okay. right. So we have him, but we also have the centurion. Someone who's not just a soldier. We call call the centurion. He's the one who in Mark's gospel is the hero. He's the, the Roman who says this truly was the son of God. This great declaration of faith at the end of the gospel. So they gave him a name of course they call him Longinus <laughs> they gotta, gotta get a name. yeah you know, like the rich man became known <laughs> as Divas which is simply Latin for rich guy. okay <laughs> but he's called Longinus. so you'll always have Mary the mother of Jesus and John if you have anybody then one more out if you if you going to have four people you can add Mary Magdalene and, and the the Roman Centurion or called Longinus the guy with the spear okay? And then sometimes if you use somebody else, you can have other people that you could have like Mary, the mother of Cleopas and sort of the, the crowd scene with some other, there other women near the cross.
0: Okay. Okay. Got it. So you can add some personalities to the foot of the cross, uh, you know, based on different parts of scripture, Jesus's mm-hmm. words. So
1: I'm, even as we're doing this, I'm recording, as we're recording this session, I'm at my desk looking up, I have a Russian crucifix. Yeah. yeah. You know, and there are all these things are there great (laughs) yeah every last one and more okay every last one and more yeah
0: i noticed you looking off there i was like you're you're probably checking your checking it out here yeah there you go um there's often there's sometimes there's angels though right at the at the top of the cross right
1: right above the sign you know jesus now the king of glory you know you'll often have two angels and they also are covering their faces and mm-hmm. that's showing there there are two explanations one explanation is they're like the cherubim at the ark of the covenant you know oh, the, yeah. the presence of god that's my pr- preference and they blind their faces out of reverence the other is it's angels to bear up the soul of christ you know the idea that the angels bear your soul to heaven
0: yeah so anything else we've got on uh, uh any any other things you might
1: see we're just starting no i'm just kidding we still have more <laughs> yeah. and an <then> eastern <laughs> cross typically at the top of eastern cross you're gonna have something else at the very tip top Uh, what you'll have is the most common is you'll have what's called Lord of hosts, which is actually the father. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you'll have the Holy spirit right beneath him. So you're emphasizing that the whole Trinity is of all this fathers giving the son and the father and son are giving the Holy spirit, you know, father. So you'll have that at the top, or you'll have something that's called the the image not made with human hands, Hmm. which is based on a story. The story is, and actually Eusebius tells us a story in book one uh you know uh, chapter 13 chapters are really glorified paragraphs okay so don't get <laughs> overwhelmed okay is he said that jesus received a letter from the king of edessa called abgar the fifth who wrote jesus asking him for a cure to an illness and jesus wrote back saying he couldn't come but he would send somebody later okay in the future okay but he also enclosed a miraculous image of himself with that letter you know, the the piece of cloth that had his image on it. And so if you see this piece of cloth with his image, that's the miraculous image that was sent to to, supposedly to King Abgar. That's the most common explanation. Eusebius claimed he actually saw the letter and transcribed it and translated from the Syriac and transcribed it. He had found it in the chancery documents of the king of Edessa. And that ultimately Thaddeus of Edessa, one of the 70 disciples, according to the story, is said to have come to Edessa, bearing the words of Jesus. And when he heard these words of Jesus, he was miraculously healed.
0: Wow. Okay. That's quite a story.
1: Yeah, that's the story. So Jesus
0: found some time to sit down and write, you know, write write some fan mail. Yeah, he wrote Uh, fan mail. Yeah. Yeah. So that's
1: the story. (laughs) And so you often Eastern churches you'll see this cloth. And people sometimes, is that Veronica, you know, from the stations of the cross with the face of Jesus? Sort of the same basic uh-huh. idea, that Jesus somehow his face is on the cross, miraculously is on the cross, on this, on this cloth. But he sent that along to show his good wishes to King Abgar. It's called the image not made with human hands.
0: Interesting, interesting.
1: Then we also have a sun and moon. Uh, typically, you'll find them at both ends of the crossbar, sun on one side, moon on the other. It could be one of two things. Remember, we were told uh, in one of the prophecies that the sun was blackened and the moon turned to blood. Or also the sign of an eclipse, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that, you uh, you know, the, the everything was eclipsed, sun and moon. So yes. we'll see that. So you'll see a sun and moon typically on, on, if they're going to expand, you'll see that in Eastern icon or in, uh, Eastern crucifix. And you also see a city in the background, you know, sure enough, because Jesus was, remember, crucified outside the camp, outside the walls. That's a big, oh, a yeah. uh, big issue in the book of Hebrews as well. Believe, I think we ran out of room. That pretty much summarizes everything you can put in. Yeah, man, that's
0: that's packing a lot in there.
1: And I would tell you, if people have these Russian crosses, you'll see tons of writing, both on the front and on the back. So, uh, people are really interested. Let me know. We have explanations. All those are standard. Yeah. But there are tons of writing, of course. Got it. Well, let's
0: talk about more recent... um... Kind of more recent variations of of crucifixes. There's, uh, you know, some that that have are are a little bit more common to see today, but you wouldn't wouldn't have seen, you know, uh, even just a few decades ago.
1: Yeah, basically, what's happened in the West is the the pop long popular tradition of Jesus, the suffering Jesus, being the emblem emblematic of the Western crucifix, is more and more having competition from. One of, uh, three, uh, one of three things, basically, that I'm seeing a lot of that, that, that out there is the risen Christ on the cross, where you have mm-hmm. the risen Christ is on the cross. somehow am always like sort of coming off from the cross, you know, to emphasize the idea of victory. It's like taking the Eastern idea. We've got to emphasize, you know, the cross was productive. It led somewhere. It wasn't just a tragic yeah. moment. It was a victorious moment. That's really taking on the Eastern theme in a very uniquely Western way. Another, remember, Jesus was also not just a king on the cross. That was his victory. That's also where he was the great high priest, we're told. He offered his own blood. That's where it happens. And so I've seen a number of modern crucifixes now um, that you'll find in some Catholic churches and things where Christ is dressed up in robes, you know, like a priest. And it's saying he's he's our great high priest. And it's reminding us he's the great high priest on the cross where he died once and for all, as we say in our Anglican liturgy, once and for all, you know, uh, for us. And there are a lot of Trinity crucifixes, which is really a form of the Eastern cross, I told you, where you have the Father and the Holy Spirit at the top, and then Jesus on the cross, of emphasizing that all three persons of the Holy Trinity are present. Only Christ dies on the cross, but the Father gives his son. God so loved the world, he gave his son. So, you mm-hmm. know, the Father is giving his son. And Jesus at his death, say, he, says, Received, he gave up his spirit. He gives his spirit to us. So yeah. the idea of, you know, the whole trinity being present, the wholeness of God being, uh, being present there. And so, again, all of these are trying to, so we have two possible, em- when you look at a cross, you could either say, we want to emphasize Christ's humiliation, his, his, he gave up everything for us, which is the Western tradition of suffering, or victory over death. And like you said beautifully, it's both and. Both things yes. happened exactly at one of the, Christ's glory was his death on the cross.
0: Well, thanks so much, Father Stephen. Any uh, final thoughts for us on crucifixes?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's really important to keep both of those in mind. I think it's really, really very helpful. You know, we can't look over the fact that it's very real. Christ's sufferings are real because our sufferings are real. We take up our own cross and our sufferings are real. But we can never forget the virtue of hope that we know. It's like Jesus says, these, are, these aren't these like regular sufferings. It's like a woman who's expecting a child. This leads somewhere. You know, after this is over, you won't even remember for the joy that uh, human being been born into the world. So both of those, we don't want to remember, forget either one. They're both, you know, we don't choose one. They're both true. You know, the truth is both together.
0: Thank you so much, Father Stephen, and thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again next week for more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.